worship for the first Sunday in Lent, wherever we are this morning. It's great to see you here on this lovely day, but a special welcome this morning to Jane, who's visiting us this morning. We hope that you enjoy this time with us and worship. And if you can stay at the end when we go into breakout rooms just to catch up with each other, it would be lovely to have a chat with you. But if you need to go, it's not a problem. Just hit the leave button. And uh, we'll hope to see you again sometime. So welcome, Jane. A uh, prize for the most effort to get here this morning must go to Joan, who I think is travelling in a car on a motorway by the look of it, in the back seat. I just want to stress right now, um, she's not driving. Um, but Joan, welcome uh, en route to a wedding, Joan. Is that right? Yes, I think, that, I think that's right. Yes. So welcome, Joan, and welcome uh, one another. Our service this morning will be led by our minister, Katrina, but we'll also hear the voices of Holly, Lizzie and Elizabeth. Our musicians this morning are Paul, Leo and Yang Yang. And in just a moment, Bonnie and her family will be lighting our candle. Then later in the service, we'll share communion. So please have something ready to eat and drink when we reach that point in the service. This evening at 7pm, Robin Green will lead the first of our Lent evening reflections. These are a series of reflections based on the musical Hamilton. And even if you're not a, a, a usual evening service person, you'll be very welcome to join us for this special Lent series. Then you'll have noticed that our Lent appeal is now active. Um, this is our annual appeal on behalf of Glasgow City Mission, and we'll be able to make our donations via our Just Giving website anytime during Lent. Uh, you'll find the link to the Just Giving page in the current edition of the key, but if you can't find it or you can't make it work for any reason, just drop me an email and I'll send it to you. But we've got the whole of Lent uh, to get round to doing that, so there's plenty of time. In the key, you'll also find an article which tells about the way in which one person's life has been transformed through their contact with Glasgow City Mission. So if you don't know much about them, this will let you know what we're supporting. Just one little bit of family news this morning, just an update on Morag. She is still in hospital waiting for an occupational therapy assessment of her home, and hopefully that will happen soon. Time now, though, for Bonnie to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us come together to become the body of Christ. 
Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ lights this day, or this light this day.
beautiful hymn that we've just sung has its origins in the Soviet era and may have come from Russia, but certainly from what we would now know as Eastern Europe. And as we gather for worship today, we hold in our hearts and our minds all Christians and all people of goodwill in Russia, in Ukraine, and throughout the, all of the nations of the former Soviet bloc and in Eastern Europe. And so as we gather, let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Loving God, we come together from so many different places, each with our own hopes and fears and our personal needs and desires. As we come to you here in the Northern Hemisphere, spring awakens new life. Buds burst into leaf and colourful flowers brighten gardens and parks and roadside verges. We come to you overwhelmed and disturbed by the news of violence, terror and aggression in Ukraine. And also really aware that there are many other tragic situations, large and small, about which we will never hear anything. So we come, sinners in need of forgiveness, questioning in need of answers, angry in need of justice, wounded in need of healing and wholeness, tired in need of rest, bewildered in need of hope. Here, just for a short time, we may pause. We may know ourselves to be forgiven. Be assured that we are loved and find new courage for the days ahead as we do our level best to follow Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. We join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
I'm sorry. Uh, our first reading <laughs> is Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 18, and then 21 uh, through 22. John went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What then should we do? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John extorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased.
Over the last week, I've been in conversation with a number of other ministers, and we have discussed amongst ourselves, what do you do in the face of such awful tragedy as is unfolding around us in the world? Do you throw away what you've planned and speak directly to that situation? Or do you stick with what you've planned, trusting that by God's Holy Spirit, there may still be something that is helpful? I've opted for the latter of those. And I do trust and hope and pray that in what is shared today, even if not in my words, we will each find something that helps us in this strange time. And so this year, our services for Lent will continue our exploration of the Gospel of Luke. The author of the Gospel makes it very clear that he was not an eyewitness to any of the things that he describes In fact, he goes so far as to say that he has gathered up other people's accounts, which include remembered versions of what eyewitnesses said, and pulls those together. We don't know who the eyewitnesses were, by and large, because nobody thought to write down their names. And so from time to time, we speculate about that. And actually, that kind of speculation and imaginative contemplation can be really helpful. We can place ourselves in the story and try to think what we might have seen had we been there. So in this series of services over the next five weeks, I'm going to try to look at some familiar stories from the perspective of some of the silent witnesses whose presence is either stated or strongly implied, but who never actually speak. Each of the three synoptic gospels begins by introducing us not to Jesus, but to another man, John, who was given the nickname Baptist or baptizer because of his practice of baptizing people. Only Luke tells us anything about John's birth. And so he tells his reader, essentially, this was just not another ordinary man. There was something special about John. And whilst Matthew and Mark have got no interest whatsoever in John's birth story or parentage, all three of them describe him as an eccentric, fiery and strangely charismatic preacher who attracted a huge following and who called people to a baptism of repentance. It's worth pausing here very briefly to note that ritual bathing or baptism were quite familiar in first century Galilee. And to this day, there are many faith traditions for whom ritual washing or ablution are an important part of preparing to worship. You would wash on your way into the place of worship. But the scholars seem to agree there are some unique aspects to John's baptism. And the first of these is that it is a baptism of repentance. In other words, it's a change of heart in the person who comes that leads them to seek baptism. It's not something they need to do over and over again. Rather, they've made a decision that they want to live differently. And this is a sign and a symbol of that. Sorry, you probably got the cat snoring in the background (laughs) it's possible too that john's baptism was part of an initiation ritual in which people made a decision to be part of his his gang his his group of people to live the way that he 
wanted to become his disciples. And certainly in the Baptist understanding of baptism, we see a lot of that same view of what baptism is about. So as we start to look today at Jesus' baptism, who might be a silent witness? Who might be one of John's disciples who was actually there and saw what happened? Can I find such a person? Well, with a little bit of a cheat, by nipping over to look at the Gospel of John and possibly stretching what it says a little bit, I think I can. Because John, although he doesn't talk about Jesus being baptised, that's John the Gospel writer, (laughs) does have two disciples of his own who he introduces to Jesus. And one of them we know is Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. So might it be possible that Andrew was there on the day of Jesus' baptism and saw and heard everything? Well, just for today, let's imagine that perhaps he was. I can't remember how it began, but it was curious what he had to say, this self-styled prophet out in the desert. John, the son of a priest called Zechariah, was always quoting the prophet Isaiah, preaching that we needed to change our ways. He was not easy to listen to. His tone was often aggressive, and yet his words were compelling, and it did seem to make sense. If God's salvation was imminent, then we needed to get ourselves ready to repent, to turn away from selfish and sinful lives and to live differently. But what did that mean, I wondered. But I was too scared to ask. Thankfully, though, other people did speak out, asking the questions for me. And you know what? It didn't seem so bad what he actually said. If you've got clothes and to spare, then share them with somebody in need. I I could do that. If you've got food to spare, share that. I could do that too. We'd often got fish left over after we'd sold what we could and we just threw it away. I, I could give away spare fish. That made sense. And I could go through my clothes chest. and I'm sure I've got a few garments to spare. And it was a good principle there, too, not to take more than you needed and to share what you could spare. Yeah, that was doable. Some of the people who wanted to be baptised worked in collecting taxes. You know, Roman collaborators, people we didn't like very much and, frankly, we didn't trust. They said, well, what would it mean for us to live repentant lives? And again, it, it seemed quite reasonable what he had to say. Don't rip people off. Only charge the right amount. Oh, that made sense. And it seemed doable. And sure enough, one by one, they walked into the river and they came up soaking wet. And yet they looked remarkably peaceful. Mm. 
and there were soldiers and they seemed to want to be part of it too. And so they asked their question, what should we do? Don't extort people. Don't lie. Don't cheat. That seemed to make sense and it was straightforward enough. And sure enough, there they were, dripping wet, laughing and smiling, determined to live this new life. I realised that this was what I, Fisherman Andrew, wanted too. So I stepped into the water, felt it close over my head, and then, surprised at my own boldness, stood up tall and straight. I was going to be a disciple of John. I was going to learn from him. And yes, I would bear the fruit of this changed life. I would be ready for God's salvation. And you know what? It felt wonderful. And it felt very scary. I wanted to tell everyone. But I feared to say anything. So I stayed silent. We began to wonder, was John the longed-for Messiah, the Christ? But he was quite clear he wasn't. He described somebody who sounded even more scary than he was, who would come with a different baptism, not in fire, sorry, not in water, but with God's spirit and with fire. Somebody who was preparing to separate the wheat from the chaff, which we understood as being about eternal judgment on all people. Could that be true? Were we living in the so-called end times? And was repentance really so urgent? I turned to look at the people coming for baptism. Ordinary people from all walks of life. Some I recognised and some I didn't. Each one drenched in water. Some would smile, some would laugh, some would weep. But each one of them vowed to live this new life of generosity, honesty and integrity. But one of them was different. I almost missed it. He was just another man in the crowd. Average height, ordinary looking, about 30 years old, I guess. And as he came up out of the water, he didn't laugh and he didn't cry. He started to pray. And what happened next was really strange because a dove began to flutter overhead. And I heard a rumbling noise, but I couldn't make it out. It seemed to mean something to him, though, because he looked up at the birds and he seemed to be listening attentively to the noise. And then he simply walked over and joined the other disciples of John. So if this is what Andrew saw, what might it mean? Was Jesus of Nazareth a disciple of John? Maybe that sounds a bit controversial, but most contemporary biblical scholars see that as the most obvious explanation of the events that are described here. And that's not a heresy. It doesn't deny the divinity of Christ, 
Rather, it simply sets Jesus in his proper context. And importantly, it offers a value to the ministry of John that otherwise wouldn't exist. Why did three gospel writers tell us about this if it's not important? Jesus doesn't just suddenly appear out of nowhere. He doesn't land in a spaceship or some kind of supernatural appearance on the earth. He's firmly rooted in time and space. And the origins of his ministry are firmly set in first century Judaism. What we do know is that Jesus' baptism marked a significant moment in his own life. The symbol of the dove and the sound of the voice, whether those are literal or metaphorical, and I'm not going to get into that debate today, they signify a profound encounter with God, a hinge moment in Jesus' life, an experience from which there is no going back. Now, the reality is, until the end of time, Christians are going to debate baptism in general and the baptism of Jesus in particular. I think it is enough for now for us to notice that it was a hugely significant moment in his life. And it symbolised for him, as it does for us, a decision to live by a specific set of values. So what does that mean in the here and now? What does it mean for us as we try to live as followers of Jesus in a world where the news on the television, radio, internet, newspaper is frightening and terrifying and bewildering? But what does it also mean in our own lives with the personal and private challenges that we face, perhaps struggling with Problems at work, difficult relationships, our own illness or that of those we love, financial worries. What does all of this mean? Many of us may be able to recall our own baptism or if we grew up in a different tradition, our confirmation or the moment we made our own profession of faith. That moment when we decided to sign up with Jesus we decided to accept those values. What does it mean for us then to bear fruit fitting to repentance or in more everyday language, to live out the gospel values of justice, peace, grace, and above all, love. Amen.
I'm going to start our time of intercessory prayer with a prayer by the European Baptist Federation. Let us pray. With the outbreak of war in Ukraine, we see the great need to respond in prayers. In Isaiah's vision of the coming kingdom, he recognises that the Lord will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. Although we live in a time when the kingdom of God has not yet come in its fullness, we can still pray for glimpses of this kingdom to be seen at this time. We pray with our Ukrainian brothers and sisters for the intervention of our Heavenly Father and the inbreaking of his kingdom at this moment in history to restore peace between nations. I will now leave just a moment of silence for your own thoughts and prayers. Heavenly Father, we earnestly pray that peace will once more come to the country of Ukraine. We pray for the refugees, the bereaved, the men who have stayed behind to fight to keep freedom for Ukraine while their families have fled. We pray for those within our church who have family and friends that are concerned that they are concerned for in Eastern Europe. We also pray for the many Russians who oppose the war, for those who have been brave enough to protest and for those who have been thrown in jail. We remember all the children caught up in this oppression, many frightened, confused, and those who have been separated from their families. Give wisdom to world leaders in their resolve to bring a peaceful end to this conflict, we pray. In the church prayer diary this week, we pray for the coffee club, Liz and Douglas, Anne and Brian, Paul P and Mary P, Leslie and Alistair, Grace and Will, Nancy, Lizzie and Petri, Ian and Joanna. We remember Morag and we pray that she would fully recover from her fall and that she would have the help that she needs to be able to go home soon. The Baptist Union of Scotland Prayer Diary asks us to remember the following churches, Cannon Mills Baptist Church, Edinburgh Carluke, Kirkstyle Baptist Church, Carnoustie Baptist Church, and the Army Chaplains. The Baptist Missionary Prayer Diary remembers those with disabilities this week. The World Bank estimates that around 1 billion people live with a disability, making up 15% of the world's population. While progress has been towards inclusion, equipping and empowering people with disabilities in the West, many still struggle against stigma, exclusion and extreme poverty in many parts of the world. BMS asks us to pray for smart kids with individual learning difficulties. This is a BMS World Mission supported programme in Lebanon. BMS work among those living with the mental scars of conflict, fragility, displacement and abuse, especially in fragile places such as Guinea, 
Chad and Afghanistan. BMS mission worker Beth Ann Shrubshaw. She uses music therapy to aid the physiotherapy treatment of children living with severe disabilities in Chad. And BMS worker Judy Cook that she would be able to provide compassionate assistance to children living with severe disabilities in Thailand. Faith Not Fear is a BMS supported project in Northern Uganda, providing speech therapy. BMS is committed to standing with refugees on the move, particularly for refugees with disabilities, that they would be kept safe. We bring all these prayers in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace. Amen. Andrew, fisherman, disciple of John the Baptizer, left everything behind to become a follower of Jesus. In the months and the years that he followed, he was there. The quiet, mostly silent brother of Simon. Never a part of the inner circle, but always watching, witnessing and wondering. And so it was that he found himself quietly following his companions into a guest room for the Passover, tiptoeing up the stairs as evening fell, taking his place among the others, again watching, witnessing and wondering. And so we take our place alongside Andrew alongside other disciples through the ages, as we too watch and listen and wonder. Jesus said, 
I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a loaf of bread and when he had thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so let's pray together. God of John the Baptizer, God of Andrew the Silent Witness, God of Jesus the Christ, we thank you for the mystery of moments that allow us to glimpse more of who you are. As we share these simple items of food and drink, may we know the mystery of our interconnectedness with each other, with all who follow Jesus, and even with Christ. Amen. So Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and shared it with his friends. So we whom he called friends are invited to take bread, to eat, and to remember. And after the supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this seals the covenant. It's the sign of the promise between God and all creation made in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. And so we do drink and remember and renew our desire, our promise to follow Jesus. For the witness of those who have followed Jesus, for the faith of those who serve Christ, for the hope that inspires our own discipleship, and the love in which we are held, God's holy name be praised. Amen.
as we go our separate ways into a hurting world in need of good news, may our lives bear quiet witness to the one in whose footsteps we follow. And may our loving God, eternally creating, redeeming and sustaining all things, be with us all now and always. Amen.